throughout the Christmas season, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ all around the world celebrate the miracle of Christ's virgin birth. And you know what? Really, that is something to celebrate. The creator God himself comes and takes on human form. That's, that's really a miracle to rejoice over. Now, admittedly, we, of course, don't know the exact date of birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was most likely not exactly on December 25th. Um, and, and so, you know, we don't necessarily celebrate the Christmas holiday or Christmas tradition as such. We celebrate Jesus Christ especially this time of year. But the fact of the matter is, without Christ's birth, there would be no crucifixion on that hill called Calvary. And so that's why you will hear me repeatedly remind us that without Christmas, there's no Calvary. And without Calvary, there is no Christmas. We'll be celebrating Christ's birth really only becomes meaning when we look at the cross. And again and again, that is what I think is so important for us to remind ourselves as uh, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, especially this time of year. And so let's use this time as a splendid opportunity, um, maybe a better opportunity more than any other time of the year to point people around us to that Jesus Christ, that it wasn't just born as a cute baby in the manger, but also lived a perfect righteous life that died on a cruel cross to take my punishment, the judgment, the death sentence that is upon each and every one of us for our, our crime, our offenses against the perfect holy God. And that now rose again the third day back to life and says, all that come unto me, I will not cast out. Jesus Christ does not reject anyone that comes to him in simple faith, with a repentant heart. And praise the Lord for that, folks. If nothing else, this time of year is a reminder of how much God loves you. It's important. If you don't get anything else this morning, I believe God wants you to remember that. God wants all of us to leave you this morning saying, I can't, I, I just, wow, I, I will never understand how much God could love me. Wow. Thank you, God, for loving me so much. If we did all, just all leave with that this morning and we take that throughout the week, I, I, I guarantee you it's been a profitable day. But the Christmas time for many is a time of year filled with great excitement, with warm memories and beautiful traditions. Sadly, though, for more and more people, Christmas is also rather filled with a sad reminder of broken family relationships, of a strong sense of, of hurt and loneliness and emptiness. It's filled with an immense stress, whether it be emotionally, financially, whatever it may be. So many different causes and reasons, whatever they may be, the fact is rather more and more People seem to spend their Christmas sad and lonely, feeling forsaken and feeling rejected and feeling isolated. 
The definition of loneliness is defined as being without company, being cut off from others. And way too many people suffer silently like that, even on Christmas. Now, feeling lonely is not the same as being alone necessarily, right? You can be in a big crowd of people and still feel lonely. Somebody defined loneliness once as being affected with a depressing feeling of being alone. Feeling distant or rejected from others. And sadly, there's way too many, many much stigma, uh, way too many, oh, the pro- it's just you're the problem. Just you know, go find some new friends somewhere. Uh, just, just easily brushed off. There's deep sadness that so, takes so many hearts, even this time of year. And what I want to ask us this morning is, how can God help us in our lonely, in our hurting hearts? How can this time of year again turn into a time of rejoicing, of celebration? And again, I want to turn to the example of Joshua. Now, not necessarily really a Christmas story by any means, but I think the life of Joshua is super fascinating. And the more I'm studying it, the more I'm... Uh, you know, I, I, I want to move on to the next verses, and God brings me back. And it's just like there's, there's so much practical truth that we see in the life of this, this visual, visual picture, this illustration, so to speak, of our own life and how we can learn from Joshua how to overcome those different battles that we face in life. And I want to start out by turning to Joshua chapter 1. Now, I do have uh, some of our Bible verses up here for you, and so just give me one second to, to put this up. Um, all right, let's hope this works for us. Let's see. The world. Well, that's that's wonderful. <laughs> Alan, could I ask you to help me get this working, please? All right. I always say technology is awesome when it works. But when it doesn't, that's a different story, right? All right, let's see. Maybe this will work. There we go. Wonderful. God's cure for loneliness. Let's see. Thank you. Appreciate it. Joshua chapter 1 in verse 5. I want to see the promise of God's presence. The promise of God's presence. Of course, I encourage you to always read along in your Bibles. um, And uh, you can also see the verse up here uh, on our screen. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. The promise of God's presence. Let's bow in prayer this morning. Dear Father in heaven, I want to thank you so much for your word. Lord, I want to thank you that you, you want to give us answers for our life. Dear God, as we prayed already this morning, we truly do need to hear from you. Lord, only you could meet every 
person's need here this morning. Lord, only you could change lives. You can save lives for all eternity. Lord, only you could truly make a difference. And Father, we pray that through your word you would do that this morning. Oh, dear Lord, how I need your help to preach this message. And Father, I just ask that you would take complete control of it and you would bless in Jesus' name. Amen. The promise of God's presence. We've looked into the life of Joshua already quite a bit, so I won't go into the whole story. But basically, what this uh, fairly young man here is facing is the biggest task of his life. If you've ever felt intimidated, if you've ever felt overwhelmed, if you've ever felt fearful, you could probably relate to Joshua here in this moment in his life. Moses, the big leader of the nation, had passed on, and he was supposed to follow in his footsteps. He was supposed to take the, the, the fight to the enemy, so to speak. He was supposed to conquer the new homeland. He was supposed to uh, um, be the fulfillment uh, of um, over 600 years of God's promises. Sounds pretty intimidating if you ask me. <laughs> so how does God address this need? I will be with you, Joshua. And I believe to each and every one of us here this morning, if you're a child of God, if you believe in Jesus Christ for your salvation, he's coming this morning and says, I will be with you. I will not fail thee. I will not forsake thee. And he repeats that again in verse 9. Uh, excuse me, in verse 6. Joshua chapter uh, 1, verse 6. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people thou shalt divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. And now do drop down to verse 9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God, thou goest. What God is referring to here is the promise he made through Moses to Joshua all the way back in Deuteronomy 31 verse 8. Where he said, and the Lord it is he doth go, that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. Are we kind of getting what God's trying to get across here, amen? Say, hey, I promise you I'm going to be with you. Don't be afraid. You don't have to be discouraged. You don't have to give up. I know that what you're facing seems to be utterly impossible. Why would God promise Joshua that he's going to be with him? Because he was on his own otherwise. He was on his own otherwise. There was no one else leading the nation but Joshua. And Joshua had a daunting task, as I mentioned. And we'll look how God, step by step, fulfills that promises through this book. But I wanted to quickly think about other people in the Bible as well. Individuals who experienced an overwhelming situation, who experienced loneliness in their life, and who needed to rely upon the promise of God that he was with them. I think of Job. Few, if not anyone else, has suffered such great a loss as Job. He lost his entire family. He lost all of his friends. 
He lost all of his support. He lost all of his income. Everything. In Job 19, he says, He hath put my brethren far from me. And my acquaintance are verily estranged from me. My kinsfolk have failed and my familiar friends have forgotten me. I've felt, ever felt all forsaken. That's where Job was at. They that dwell in mine house. And my mates count me for a stranger. I'm an alien in their sight. Another person who experienced loneliness is King David. In Psalm 142, verse 4, he says, I looked on my right hand, beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Oh, and, and I thought I was the only one who feels lonely. No. To the greatest followers of God, they've experienced all loneliness as well. I mean, think about the Apostle Paul. Surely he had a lot of friends, right? Surely he was popular. Well, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he goes on to explain how Demas had forsaken him, loving, having loved this present world, and, and how others, uh, 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 Titus had left him, and, and all the other ones uh, were departed, and no man stood with me, he says, and his greatest heart need. Paul knew what it meant to feel all forsaken and rejected. I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, there in the garden when he was taken prisoner, innocent, guiltless, and yet punished for our sins. In Matthew 26, it says that all the disciples forsook him and fled. His closest buddies. The ones who out of all people should have stood with him. Matter of fact, he experienced the loneliness that thankfully you and I will never need to know. On the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was separated from God the Father because of my sins. So God is very much aware about our human problem of feeling lonely. And he has not left his children without hope, folks. Hebrews chapter 4 says that Jesus Christ indeed is touched with the feelings of our infirmity. Jesus Christ knows how it feels to be lonely. He knows that hurt. He knows that rejection. And he knew exactly the encouragement and the promises that Joshua needed in his greatest hour of need. And just like you and to me in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, he promises to Joshua, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Hey, even if everything else fails, God says, I will still be there. Now that's a promise we can take to the bank, so to speak. But you may want to ask, well, but, but how does this, pres- this promise of God's presence really actually help me? After all, we're yearning for true human connections as well. And I want to explain this a little bit more. And I want to make a point of application this morning. Don't look to other people to heal your loneliness. We see that loneliness is a common plight that many are affected with. You're not lonely in being alone. 
<laughs> We've now see how looking to other people to fill that need in our life, I don't think is a wise way to go about it. You say, well, that, that sounds counterintuitive. counterintuitive. That sounds the opposite of what I would think I need to do. And that's why one of the first things that we do when we feel lonely is what? We get busy. Maybe we start socializing indiscriminately. Um, or or we, we get, you know, into a, a purchasing spree. We try to somehow make ourselves feel better. We distract ourselves, which is uh, entertaining ourselves online. And maybe avoiding the need, the problem in our life, whatever it may be. But you know what the issue is with that? External things cannot fix internal problems. External things cannot fix internal problems. And that's why the wisest thing we can do in regards to our loneliness is to look to God first and foremost. And sometimes I wonder if God maybe purposefully even allows some of that loneliness in our life to create a renewed yearning in our hearts to come back into his presence when there's nowhere else to go. When was the last time you went to a quiet place before the Lord to be alone with God? Just to meditate on his word and have him speak to your heart and to your needs? Let's focus first on our own spiritual walk with the Lord. And let's learn to delight in being who God wants us to be personally. See, only God can fix a God-sized hole in my heart. Let me say this again. Only God can fix a God-sized hole in my heart. This is so important to remember. And as I experience God's presence in my lonely heart will give me strength, will give me confidence, and will help me to discover my true identity in Christ again. So we have the promise of God's presence. God promised Joshua, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And then he goes on to instruct Joshua how to experience God's presence. The experience of God's presence. The wonderful news is that when we enter God's presence, we're already not alone anymore. Let's look into Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. Joshua chapter 1 in verse 7. And I want to show here how we need to learn to think truthfully. We need to learn how to think truthfully. You see, many times where our perspective is, is rooted in, in, in some sort of self-fulfilling prophecies. We go around thinking, well, no one cares about me. I'm so alone and, and I'll never be good for anyone. Oh, no, no one loves me. I'll, I'll, you know, I don't know, I'll be single for the rest of my life or I'll be forsaken, I'll be hurting. Um, I'll be rejected for the rest of my life. And then we go living our life with that kind of a mindset, with that kind of perspective, and with a behavior that will end up validating that kind of a thinking. <laughs> That's why we need to allow God to first change our thinking. 
That's the first step to deal with those thoughts and feelings of loneliness. We must recognize that people, friends, spouse, activities, even marriage, all these things are not a lasting cure for my loneliness. And we'll talk about human connection in a minute as well. Because after all, God made us social creatures. And that's a good thing. But hang on here. Because if I seek my fulfillment in all my human friendships, in my human relationships, I'm doomed. Because people will always disappoint me at some point. That's not being negative. That's not being discouraging. That's just being realistic, amen? If we want to love one another, we have to speak the truth, don't we? None of these things are permanently guaranteed to us. Activities ebb and flow. People come and go out of our lives. If we're lonely, am I willing to allow God to change my thinking about my loneliness? See, how can I do that? Learn to think truthfully. And the first thing there we see in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. Notice there it says, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. We need to listen to God's voice. <laughs> but usually we're just very busy trying to feel the emptiness and the hurts in our sad hearts, even. Especially in these you know, emotional seasons like the Christmas time. And we've all been there, haven't we? And yet God's word, as we listen to his voice, as we enter his presence through looking into his law, His word, through listening to His voice, it changes us. It transforms my thinking. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 teaches me to not be conformed to this world. Oh, just, you know, put on the apps. Swipe around. Just, just you know, uh, uh, you know uh, spread yourself online on all the social platforms. Just, just I mean, just hit it with all four cylinders. You know, and, and, and try to make as many friends as possible. I don't think that's the answer. We can be in a big crowd and still be lonely. I think we first need to allow God to change our thinking. Be not conformed to this world, but be it transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's where the change all starts. And we need to listen to God's voice. In Psalm 25, verse 4, the psalmist writes, Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in the truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. That's the answer. Further, we need to dwell where God is. We need to dwell where God is. We need to stay in his presence. We need to there in Joshua 1 verse 8 this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth keep it in your thinking keep it before you uh, read it throughout the day 
This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Notice, but thou shalt meditate there in day and night. Meditate there in day and night. What does meditate mean? Well, God is not talking about, you know, somehow putting our mind in some neutral state and just, you know, uh, you know um, uh, somehow go into a higher state of self-awareness and um, clear your mind. I think that can be a spiritually dangerous thing to, you know, somehow get ourselves in some neutral. Um, rather, it talks there, what, about meditating upon the Word of God. The word meditate gives the idea like, like a cow, to chew the cut. To mold it over again and again and again and again, right? That's why even when we, whenever we, we read a Bible, may it be three verses, may it be ten chapters, whenever we hear a, a, a lesson or a, a sermon from the Word of God, what we all ought to do is always say, God, give me at least one truth, one nugget, one key to focus upon for this week or at least for this day. Um, you know, many times when I, when I do my devotional, uh, uh, devotions, when I, when I read uh, the Word of God for my personal benefit, I'll try to, you know, highlight or mark one verse, or maybe I'll write it on a piece of paper, I'll stick it in my pocket, and whenever I'm struggling, when I'm discouraged, I'll take it out, I'll, I'll look at it again. It was this one verse that I asked God to help me to find, and it's like, okay, this one nugget that I'm going to meditate upon throughout the rest of my day, that I'm going to take along with me. You see, a walk with God is not, well, I got my 20 minutes in the morning or in the evening or whatever, and that's, that's kind of this own part of my life, and, and the rest of the day I just live in the world. <laughs> Our relationship ought to be a continual process. Meditate upon it. Stay in God's presence. Worship Him. Thank Him. Whenever these doubts, these nagging feelings of sadness and loneliness come, stop right away. Stop right there. You say, God... What do you want me to praise you for? God, what do you want me to thank you for? See, it is in praising God that not just our perspective gets changed, but that we also dwell in his presence. And folks, I guarantee you, your mind will be changed. God sometimes uses our loneliness to guide us into his loving arms where we can experience the comfort and the companionship with the shepherd of our souls in a very special way. When we meet with Jesus Christ, we don't have to feel that, that abiding despair of being lonely. He came to take care of that. You say, well, I really want something different, though. You see... <clears throat> Here's the, here's the problem with a lot of our, our loneliness. Usually it's caused by a discrepancy, by a difference between the reality in our relationships and what my expectation Usually it's based upon that difference. It's like, oh, I wish I'd be there. Oh, I desire that. But, you know, the, my reality I see differently. And that's why we need to learn to allow God to change our thinking. And it's kind of like that little boy who was afraid to go to bed in the dark. And so his father said to him, well, son, don't be afraid. You know, Jesus is with you. And the boy replied, I know that, Dad. But I want someone with skin on. <laughs> and so often, you know, when I try to encourage myself or someone else who feels loneliness, their reaction may be, in that regards as well. Oh, I, I know that Jesus is with me, but that's not the way I want it to be. 
I want someone's skin on. And you know, God understands that. God knows that. But again, first, we need to allow God to fill a God-sized hole. Who knows the story about the prodigal son? Was that a friend of you? Okay. You know what the word prodigal means? It means wasteful. The guy wasted his life away. Do you know how? Being entertained and entertaining. I mean, he always had a big crowd of buddies. Everybody loved him. He had a great group of friends. Until the money ran dry. <laughs> all of a sudden, everybody forsook him. He was all alone. You know what the problem was? He was seeking in the wrong spot to have his hole in his heart filled. And if we focus first and foremost on our human relationship before we have our uh, heart fixed before the Lord, that's exactly the error you and I can do as well. Listen to God's voice. Dwell where God is. Meditate on His Word. And then go out and obey His Word. Obey His Word. There in um, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, it encourages Him to observe, to do, according to all that is written in the law of God. You see, many times when we are facing a problem, we're just courageous and we just take it head on, right? Many times I don't. I'm trying to avoid it to the left or I'm trying to circumvent it to the right, right? Anything but moving forward straight to it, (laughs) right? And God is encouraging Joshua here and I believe he's encouraging all of us that we need to be willing to move forward one step at a time. It starts with going into the presence of the Lord. I'm afraid so many times as Christians we do feel lonely because we haven't gone into the presence of the Lord. There may have many different reasons. It may be a sin that keeps us from that sweet, intimate fellowship with God. Um, it may be that we just haven't taken the time to spend with God. We're too busy. We're too distracted. We're too, uh, too much trying to fill those holes in our heart with other things in vain. We're not saturating our life with God's word and with prayer. I want to turn to Psalm 68, verse 5. Psalm 68, verse 5. I sure do appreciate your attention this morning. I understand this is maybe not the easiest topic to think about. And you say, well, you know, Christmas, shouldn't that be peace and joy and, and, and warmth and love? Have you ever received a gift? It was a beautiful, wonderful gift that you like, and yet in your heart it was just like, meh. Your heart still wasn't fulfilled? Folks, that's what Christmas can be if we don't get the right focus. Oh, it's all wonderfully wrapped, but you know what? We're really missing the content. Psalm 68, verse 5. The Lord shows you his compassion his love for those that are lonely and forsaken. A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. God setteth the solitary, that's the one who's lonely, who's forsaken. God setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which abound with chains, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. 
And you know what? I found this verse to be true in my life and in the life of so many other Christians as well. When we allow God to make a home, a spiritual home particular for us, we accept his presence as sufficient in my life and from loneliness. I'm set free from that awful heaviness of loneliness. But if I rebel against that presence of God in my life and seek it some other place, I feel like I'm living in a parched land. Or I refuse God to, uh, to I, I refuse to allow God to be the cure for my loneliness. And in my own way, and fill that vo- empty void with, with people, with activities, whatever it may be. And yet the only companion that we find is loneliness. We see the promise of God's presence. We see the um, We see the experience of God's presence, and I want to close with the result of God's presence. Very quickly here. The result of God's presence. Notice, there are some great benefits, some huge blessings that God told Joshua about. And uh, I want to just quickly look there in verse 7. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. He encourages him and says, be very courageous. Again, in verse 9, he says, good courage. You see, if we first spend time with the Lord, we find courage. What is courage? Well, I believe it ultimately is the willingness to trust God. Courage ultimately is, I think, me being willing to trust in God. Then we move on and we see, as we spend time in God's presence first, as we seek uh, for Him to fill our hole of emptiness first, we see how He Helps us to overcome fear. Helps us to overcome fear. Notice there in uh, verse, uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. It says, Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. Dismayed means to be terrified, to lose courage. Because we feel safe. We feel comforted in God's presence. We can trust Him. You know what overcoming fear means as we spend time in God's presence? It means that we learn to give up control to God. Oh, but I'm afraid I'm left out. I'm afraid I'm, I'm, I'm rejected. I'm, I'm afraid no one's going to care for me. I'm afraid I, I, I don't know. No, I'll always be alone all my life. You know how to overcome that fear? By giving the control for those things up to God. That's powerful, folks. This is life-changing. I need to learn to see my current loneliness, not just as a grief, but also as a possible gift from God. It's an opportunity to experience, uh, excuse me, uh, and, and, and it, 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 it's an opportunity to experience blessings and opportunities from God that he could only give me at that particular stage in my life. He talks about that in particular in regards to the gift of singleness there in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I will not, I cannot be satisfied If I have not learned to first become satisfied with Christ in the here and now. Oh, I'll be happy once I got a mate. I'll be happy once 
this is fixed in my life, or my children, my marriage, my family, my friends, this or that situation, then I'll be happy. No, you won't. You'll keep searching. You know why? Happiness ultimately can only be found in the Lord. And if I don't find it right here and right now in whatever stage God has me already, <clears throat> I also won't find it once I get wherever I think I'll find it. That is the truth I've personally experienced in my life, folks. We also find that Joshua is promised strength. Be thou strong. Be strong. It says in verses 7 and verse 9. Again, I believe that's referring to confidence in God. And ultimately, he promises him success. Well, that's interesting for every one of us, isn't it? Success in life, especially in God's sight. He says in verse 8, Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You know what will happen when we start to obey God and we first seek his presence, fill our loneliness, and we're almost done. We'll learn how to improve the quality of our relationships, not just the quantity. Oh, you can have 5,000 Facebook friends and hardly know a single one of them. Improve the quality of your relationships, not necessarily the quantity. You know what, folks? Even as a family of God, as a church, that is true as well. Real spiritual fellowship is more than just, you know, the Sunday morning handshake. Amen? In Philippians chapter 2, verse 2, it's being described as being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, being of one mind. Now, God knows our need for human fellowship. He made it. In Genesis 2, verse 18, he recognizes that it is not good for that a man should be alone. So he knows that. And I believe he's given us some advice and some wisdom. First, we need to see our our needs and desires to be fulfilled in our presence, in our relationship, in the presence of God. But then secondly, I want to turn to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. There'd be many different verses of Scripture we could go to as well, but I want to just close with some practical advice as well. Um, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer then a brother. One of the best ways to find more friends, to find true friends, is by being a good friend. Ask yourself, what could you do for someone else to be their friend? To meet their need instead of just waiting for everybody else to be your friend. I mean, your needs. After all, we read what we And be a friend to others. I need to seek relationships that go beyond the surface, just the fluffy stuff. And folks, as we do that, I believe we'll be surprised how good it feels to be engaged in deep, meaningful relationships that focus upon the Lord with those around us. So as we close this morning, I think we need to recognize that to some degree, loneliness will always be something that we as humans will have to face at some times. It's a feeling common to pretty much any one of us on this planet. And God sometimes allows it in our life. That he's trying to draw us back first into his presence 
In a way, our loneliness can be a reminder that we are first and foremost designed for an intimate relationship with God. This place, that deep longing inside of us. We really cannot love our neighbor or, or my mate, whoever it may be, uh, with all my heart, and that I'll first have learned to love Christ with all my heart. And so when we try to fill that hole with other people in our life instead of with God first, we'll just drive ourselves further into that pit of disappointment and sadness. And yet God is in such tender love rather drawing us to himself. And so folks, I understand, especially during the Christmas season, it can get difficult. It can get hurtful due to whatever relationship situations we may face. And I, I felt it was so fitting that as we looked at the life of Joshua, I wanted to move on, but the Lord was just like, no, we need to look at why it's so important that God repeatedly promises his present to Joshua. And I believe that until Joshua sat down, he was I don't know where you're at this morning, but all I do know for sure is that God has a message from his word for each and every one of us today. And as we bow our heads, we close our eyes in prayer, if you could please stand to your feet if you can. If you stand, we bow our heads in prayer. I want to encourage all of us this morning, Jesus Christ, more than anyone else can understand our need for human fellowship, 